My message today is titled, It's Not About Jingle Bells. It's not about jingle bells. I'm going to try to wrap this up as, uh, uh, you know, keep it very short and simple, but it's not about jingle bells. I grew up singing Santa Claus is coming to town, but today I realize Santa Claus is coming to town, but Jesus is already here. Jesus is already here. He's not coming. He came 2,000 years ago before any of us were born, and he's here. We don't have to wait for him. He's already here. So it's not about jingle bells. And I was trying to figure out, it is a Christmas message, which passage or verse in the Bible can I go to to really draw out God's truth and share what I, felt, what I feel God wants me to share with each one of you today. And I came across 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9. You know, it's a verse that really sums up for me the real meaning of Christmas better than any verse in the Bible. It's one of those verses just tucked away in a forgotten corner of the New Testament. This is what it says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That sentence sums up the great truth behind Jesus' birth. Let's examine this verse and go into detail and break it down and see what God wants to say to us today. The first thing that I want to say is, He was rich. He was rich. Now, I went, I went on Google and I typed Forbes 500 richest men richest people in the world, and I came across a lot of people, and here's the top 10 list. Here's the top 10 list. And after going through the entire things, I mean, after going through the entire list, I can report two things to you. The first is, I am not on that list. <laughs> I, I don't know, fortunately, unfortunately. I am not on that list. And the second is, I don't know anyone on that list. I don't know anyone on that list. Well, to be very honest, now listen, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, poking something at, at wealthy people or rich people. I celebrate what God's done in your life. I celebrate with you. But I'm just giving, I, I'm just giving you an example to build up what I want to say, or rather what I want to feel God wants to speak to you today. I'm not against rich people. I love rich people. Okay, I love, I absolutely love rich people. I'm rich. I am super rich, uh, but it, it's just that God is releasing it in parts, okay? and he's yet to release. We all are super rich, okay? We all are super rich, and uh, I, I came, you know, I got to know that there are several categories of, of, rich, of richness. There's the, average, there's the average rich, you know, more money than most people, but not incredibly wealthy. Most of the rich people fall into that category. Then there's the super rich. You know, these are the people you see, sorry, there's the medium rich. These are the multi-millionaires, the medium rich. Then there's the super rich. These are the people you would see on reality TV. And then there's the incredibly rich. You know, people like Elon Musk and some of those names on that list. So 
they, they are your basic billionaires. Let me put it this way. The average rich fly first class. The medium rich charter a jet. The super rich own the jet. And the incredibly rich own the airline. But I know someone who owns the skies. And his name is Jesus Christ. Everything that was, is, and is to come, comes from him. The existence of this world came from him. That's who he is. That's who he is. You know, and when the Bible says he was rich, it is speaking of what he had before he left the earth. What he had before he left the earth. This is what the Bible says. He shared glory with the Father before the world began. All things were created through him. He's the ruler of all the kings of the earth. You know, suppose you thought about it this way. Take the 10 richest men and take the 10 richest men and women who ever lived and then the, the 10 most powerful rulers and then the 10 wisest people who, who, who pondered life's questions. Throw in, the mightiest throw in the mightiest generals who ever went to battle and then the, the strongest athletes in every sport, the most amazing speakers, orators, plus the 10 greatest political leaders and then any other 10 men and women left on the earth. Calculate the accumulated wealth, power, influence, skill, genius, wisdom, insight, and ability. And whatever the vast sum comes to, Jesus had more in heaven. Jesus had more in heaven. No man or collection of men could come close to him. He was rich. Say it with me. He was rich. He didn't leave heaven in search of riches. He had the universe at his disposal. He wasn't looking for money. All the money in the universe was his for the asking. Theologians speak of, his, theologians speak of the pre-existence of Jesus Christ. That simply means before Bethlehem, before Bethlehem, before the Son of God existed, in the world, before the Son of God came to this world, before Bethlehem, before being born as a baby, he existed in heaven. He existed from, he existed from all eternity in heaven. Not as a pauper, not as a beggar, but in glorious splendor. He was rich. The second thing that I want to say is, he became poor. He became poor. What does it mean? He was rich in eternity. He became poor in time. He was rich in eternity. He became poor in time. He left heaven for a remote village in a forgotten province to join a despised race, to be born to a teenage girl in a stable, wrapped in rags, and placed in a feeding trough instead of a crib.
This much we all know. But notice the verb. Notice the verb. He became poor. It's not he was made poor. He became poor. Made poor is what happens to us because of our circumstances. But he became poor. He gave up everything out of his own free will. He gave everything out of his own free will. He gave up everything. That's something we will never do. That's something we will never do. He was richer than any man has ever been, gave it up freely, and became poorer than any man has ever been. Theologians also have a word for this. It's called incarnation. John 1.14 says, the word, sorry, John 1.14 says, the word became flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. I really like what it says in the message version. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Jesus left the glories of heaven to move into our neighborhood and become like us. He knows what we're going through because he has lived here himself. Today you might, you might be trying to figure out, everyone's talking about Christmas, everyone's happy, all jolly, and everything's going great. But my Christmas, I don't, my Christmas is not going the way I think it should be going. My Christmas, I don't even know if, if anyone knows the way I'm celebrating Christmas this year. People around you may not know, but God knows, and God is more than able to take care of you. Because he lived it out before you being in this place. He went through a lot worse, which is why he knows what each and every one of us in this place might be going through, even during this Christmas season. But even in this Christmas season, he's still with you. He's still with you, he's still with me, because his word says, I came, I'm not leaving now. I came for you. I love you so much. I love you too much to leave you right now. I'm never gonna leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you, I'm with you. In what sense did Christ become poor? He left the glories of heaven for the sadness of the earth. He stooped to enter the world through a mother's womb. He became a dependent creature. He endured rejection and ridicule. He refused to return evil for evil. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He possessed none of the usual traits of he possessed none of the usual traits that accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. In his infancy, he startled a king. In childhood, he puzzled doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature, walked upon the sea like he was walking on a pavement, and he hushed the sea to sleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his service. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of trial. He was nailed on a cross 
before two thieves. And while he was dying, his, execu his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he had on the earth, his coat. When he was dead, he was taken down and laid in a borrowed tomb. Why would Jesus choose to live this way? The answer is simple and profound. He became like us. He was rich. He became poor. He gave up everything to become like us because that was the only way he could save us. That was the only way he could save us. He didn't mail a, he didn't mail a letter or shout from heaven. He did, the one thing we, he did the one thing we could understand. God himself came down and entered the human race. He became poor like us so that forever, 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 we could hear him say, I love you. I love you. I love you. Even right now, today, as you sit over here, you might be coming over here for a while, or this is probably your first time. But these words, if you pay attention, these words will ring in your ear as well. You would hear the words of Jesus saying to you, I love you. I love you. I did this for you because I love you. You know, no one forced him to do this. No one took the crown of heaven from his brow. No one removed him from the throne. No one stripped him of his royal robes. He removed the, he removed the crown of glory that we might wear. He removed, the he removed the crown of glory so that he would wear the crown of thorns. He became poor. He became poor. Why? So that we might become rich. So that we might become rich. This is the purpose of Christmas. He became poor so that you and I could become rich. How does that happen? Some of you might be familiar with the term guilt by association. That's mean if, that means if I hang out with a person who has committed a crime, I may be considered guilty also because of my relationship with him. Turn that concept around and you've got Christmas. It's grace by association. It's grace by association. All the grace of God is available to me and you because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. Think of it. All the riches, all the power, all the prestige of his good name is mine. But someone will say, you don't deserve it. No, I don't. A whole bunch of people will say, you don't deserve it. I don't. And that's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. If I deserved it, I wouldn't need Jesus. But through my association with Jesus, suddenly I'm a rich man. Theologians have a word for this as well. I love theologians. Theologians have a word for this as well. It's called imputation. It's called imputation. It's what happens when I come to Jesus Christ. 
It's what happens when I come to Jesus Christ. He takes away my sin and I take his righteousness. He takes away my sin and I take his righteousness. I don't earn it. It is imputed to me or it's credited into my account. That's grace by association. When I come to Jesus, I come as a pauper in the spiritual realm. My hands are empty, my pockets are bare. I have nothing to offer, no claim to make. All my good works are as filthy rags. My resume is filled with failure. We've gone two steps forward, we go, we, we go two steps forward, we go three steps behind. But when I come to Christ, I'm fed, I'm fed, I'm clothed, I'm filled, I'm forgiven, and I'm crowned with every good thing. He takes away my rags, he takes away my rags, and puts around me the robe of his righteousness. Everything that was against me is gone. Everything I lack, I now have. Once I was poor, but now I am rich. That's the grace of God. And all happened, not just because of Christmas, it all happened because he wanted to come for you and for me. That's it. You know, he who was rich became poor for my sake, that through his poverty I might become rich. Most of us don't feel rich. I've already mentioned that my name is nowhere on that list of billionaires. But what of it? Charles Spurgeon said, a rich man on earth as a, full, as a, rich man on earth as a cistern full of riches, but a poor saint as a fountain of mercy ever flowing for him. Let that saint draw as much water as he wants, for the fountain will not run out. Spurgeon then went on to say, he is the richest who has a fountain. A cistern, will, a cistern will be empty eventually, but the fountain of mercy flows forever. The fountain of mercy flows forever. That is, this is the message of Christmas. He was rich. He became poor for you and for me so that we would be rich, so that we would have a life. We would have life and life in all of its abundance forevermore. And today I want to say this to you in closing. Because God gave, you and I have. Because God gave, you and I have. And what we have, we have to give. What we have, we have to give. Because what we have is the hope of the world. And we need to give the hope of this world to each and every person.